Welcome to the Biz Times MKE podcast. I'm Arthur Thomas, an associate editor here at Biz Times Media, and I'm joined on our weekly debrief this week by my colleagues Lauren Anderson, another associate editor here. Lauren, how are you? Doing well, thanks. And Biz Times editor Andrew Wyland. Andrew, how's it going? Good. It's a beautiful day, but I'm uh, I'm sad September's over, but. You know, fall, it's just fall time here. marches That's on, nice. and, you know, it. Uh, the leaves will be turning and, and all that good stuff soon. So, um, well, wanted to dive in our Insider Story Spotlight, um, where we highlight some of the insider-only stories from our uh, coverage this week. Andrew, what story stuck out to you? Okay, the one I'm going to highlight is an announcement from Visit Milwaukee that this... Uh, a, a sports uh, event, travel sports event uh, conference is going to be held in Milwaukee in 2027. It's called Teams for Travel Events and Management in Sports. Um, 1,200 attendees expected, $8 million. Um, like I said, 2027. The expansion of the convention center is supposed to be completed in 2024. So this is really one of the first, in fact, it might be the first kind of big event announcement for the Wisconsin Center post uh, the expansion period. So, you know, now, now that the expansion project has just begun, um, we've finally got our first kind of event that will be coming to the expanded convention center. So um, it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, if co- expanded convention center is a good idea. It's a $420 million project. And I know there are people who think, Milwaukee isn't a huge convention city. Is that really an investment the taxpayers should be making? But, you know, I, I know Visit Milwaukee and the Wisconsin Center are optimistic that this is going to pay off and it's going to enable us to attract more events, have kind of numerous events simultaneously, which you can't really do in a smaller existing convention center. So it's going to be interesting to see really how it works out. This is, you know, not the biggest event, but it's a pretty decent event for Milwaukee to get. And we'll see if the if we get more. She's twenty twenty seven. We're booking things for twenty twenty seven already. That's how it works. Ahead. Looking ahead. Looking ahead. You know, that's it'll be here before we know it. <laughs> um, so my insider spotlight story this week is one that uh, Brandon Enderegg wrote. Um, it's the inside uh, the four hundred eighty five million dollar Gateway Plastics deal. Uh, so it's a, it's an acquisition of a company up in Mequon. Uh, by Sogan um, Containers, uh, $485 million deal, as the headline says. But what was kind of interesting about this is it's a deal that was done with the help, the advisors were this kind of um, smaller boutique um, Brookfield law firm, N2 Advantage Law, um, which is led by Tim and Joel Nettesheim, um, that they kind of... They, it's just, you know that it's a smaller law firm and it's a pretty big deal. They normally work in a more the lower end of the the market, not at this size. But Brandon's story kind of gets into how their you know long term business relationship kind of led to this deal being something they worked on, which um, it's just an interesting look at you know maybe how things come together sometimes. So I encourage people to check that one out. Uh, Lauren, what do you have uh, for us on the Insider Story Spotlight? Well, I have a story I wrote today um, about Bethesda Lutheran Communities, which is a nonprofit based in Watertown and also has a corporate presence in Brookfield. Um, 
They've been kind of evolving quietly over the past few years, but this week they announced that um, they, as of next year, are going to rebrand as under the new name Able Light, which sort of reflects this evolution um, from they, they were founded in the early 1900s as a small group home um, for people with uh, intellectual and developmental disabilities, um, and they've since evolved into. Uh, Nonprofit that's operated in 12 different states, has a lot of different services that promote independence for people with disabilities. Um, but as part of that announcement, they also announced that they have opened up a new innovation center in um, the Germania building in downtown Milwaukee, um, where, where they are planning to um, conceive and, and develop and eventually send out innovations um, specifically assisted assistive technology smart home technology for people with disabilities um, so an interesting evolution for them another thing that they've got going right now is um, they're changing their housing model so as part of the larger shift across the industry towards deinstitutionalization of people with disabilities um, their new housing model is uh, developing apartment buildings that are uh, using integrated housing models so people with disabilities, people without disabilities, and seniors all living in an apartment building together. They say this um, creates a greater sense of integration and, and community for people with disabilities and reflects the ability of people with disabilities to live independently and do a lot more than sometimes uh, people believe they can. And so um, they've got this community in Minneapolis. They're opening um, one in uh, on the near west side in Milwaukee um, soon, and they've got another location in the area plan that they have not yet disclosed. But so we could be seeing more of these over the next couple of years. So uh, just a lot of interesting things coming out of this uh, organization. Yeah, definitely interesting to hear how they're thinking about things differently in terms of the housing uh, element. Uh, we'll switch to one of the big stories from the week. Um, Foxconn Technology Group, back in the news. Um, you know, it's been five years, almost five years since the project in Mount Pleasant was originally announced. Uh, the latest is they had been considering making electronic, electric vehicles in Mount Pleasant uh, for the startup Fisker. They announced this week that they have a agreement to work on an agreement with uh, Lordstown Motor Company um, to buy the Lordstown plant in Ohio, Lordstown, Ohio. It's a former GM plant that Lordstown uh, was going to make electric trucks at, uh, EV trucks. Um, they're going to work with Foxconn on that. And they're gonna, the agreement would have them buy, Foxconn buy the plant for $230 million. The implication for Wisconsin is that Foxconn is picking Ohio over Wisconsin for initial U.S. Um, EV production. They didn't fully rule out um, that they might someday make EVs here. But it's not, you know, anytime soon. So uh, another step in the saga for Foxconn in Mount Pleasant, they've had a whole variety of different products that were um, slated to be made there. We had uh, robot coffee machines, and they were going to make ventilators. They made masks during the pandemic. Um, I think the big thing right now is kind of servers and, and kind of computer infrastructure type um Products. Well, of course, it started with screens. Screens. Oh yeah. That was How could we forget the, the original? The ten billion dollar plant we were supposed huge to get. Huge screens. 
huge screens, and then, then small, small screens. screens. Um, and, you know, it's just been this perpetual evolution of what, you know, Foxconn's plan to do there. Um, and kind of, you know, was it realistic that they were going to build EVs there? Maybe, maybe not. They cited, you know, Ohio's more of a automotive supply chain area than, than we are here. Obviously, there was a GM plant at this site. You know, Wisconsin, we don't really have the auto plants that I mean, we had them back in the day, but um, kind of disappointing to not to not get it, to not have, you know, something substantial um, coming at that site. Yeah, the, the disappointing news just keeps coming out of Foxconn for Mount Pleasant. Um, you know, and it, it, considering the original vision um, for how big of a complex this was going to be, the number of jobs, the level of high-tech sophistication to this type of manufacturing, the supply chain that was anticipated, I mean, this was really supposed to be a game changer for Wisconsin's economy, which is why, you know, you had state government, Governor Walker and the legislature at the time, supported a unheard of incentive package. Now, the vast, almost in, the vast majority of that incentive package is tied to job creation and capital investment. Because the job creation, frankly, hasn't happened to what was expected, they really haven't gotten tax credits, correct me if I'm wrong, um, there has been a substantial investment in the infrastructure around there by taxpayers in terms of expanded freeway, roads have been put in, um, you know, sewer water, power infrastructure has been put in. Um, and, 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 you know, that's infrastructure that could be used, you know, by other users in the area or whatever ultimately happens to the land or just people who are driving through on the freeway. So it's not just Foxconn related, but that's the reason it was put in. And the payout just isn't there. It's not even. It's not even close to what we expected. So, you know, they they keep suggesting ideas for what. It really feels like they're they're grasping at straws as what to do with this. And it's a very strange project. You know, it seems very politically motivated. You know, it it, it started at a time when Donald Trump was president and he was waging a trade war, and here you had a manufacturer that. Looks like it didn't want to get swept up in the trade war. So they promised to create a whole bunch of jobs in the United States and it ends up being in Wisconsin, which is a politically important state. And yet, while that made the president happy and made politicians happy, um, the company has never really figured out seemingly what they would actually do here. And it still seems like they're, they're grasping at straws for, for, for this site. Yeah, it's, you know just perpetually been kind of a you know what's what is actually going on there there seems to be some hiring we reported a couple weeks back on a job fair they did that that i think they tracked like 50 new people driving in today there i saw a billboard kind of close to the state line that you know was advertising foxconn jobs so they're they're hiring um you know but to what extent i know people on social media joke that they're hiring in the fall because they have you know, job targets to hit and that those positions might disappear. Who knows, you know, what, how many people stay or, or go. Um, Lauren was curious, I mean, Andrews, you know, follows the real estate world pretty closely from his time covering that beat and, and you know, 
or just our coverage on that generally. I've covered the Foxconn project kind of throughout. Um, you're in the healthcare world, the nonprofit world, and the education world. Does this project register at all, or is everyone else, you know, the rest of the region kind of moved on and okay, whatever happens, happens down there, but it's not, you know, the big elephant in the room that it was four or five years ago. Yeah, that definitely seems to be the case, the latter. Um, you know, I, I look at this mostly through the lens of um, covering higher education in the region and thinking about a few years ago how you couldn't go to, you couldn't have an interview with a college leader from, from the region or go to a, an event involving universities without hearing about Foxconn and having to prepare people for these jobs and oh my goodness there's going to be 13,000 of them how are we possibly going to produce enough talent for for all these jobs and sort of the the thud (laughs) of the whole thing right now is like you don't you don't hear colleges talking about it anymore I think about the higher educational regional alliance um, that formed uh, in 2017 not entirely but largely due to this Foxconn announcement and it's 18 of the universities and colleges in the southeastern Wisconsin region saying we got to come together to meet this major workforce um, challenge that we had have ahead of us, and that was sort of the the prompting force behind this major effort, which is still going and, and here has actually really taken off since then and, and found um, larger goals than just the Foxconn one, but. Uh, it's fascinating that you just don't you don't really hear about it, so it's kind of a non a non presence. Uh, from the conversations I'm having. Well, it's nice to hear something good came out of this. Yeah. Yeah. You got the higher education institutions prompted to to collaborate. So there's, hey, there's a silver lining to Foxconn. You found one. (laughs) Um, You know, speaking of higher education, of course, UW-Madison was promised from Foxconn a huge, I forget what it was, but it was was a $100 million million gift. It was a massive gift, and they've received, I mean, a tiny sliver of that. The last story I saw, I think it was out of the State Journal, was that seven hundred thousand? Maybe has so been given. Yeah, so not, not much, you know. Uh, definitely, you know, a long, a far cry from what it was supposed to be. Um, obviously, another story from the week, um, maybe less less disappointing, um, but Pfizer, Brookfield-based company, announcing plans to expand significantly in New Jersey. Um, there, I think it's two thousand jobs. It's getting like a hundred and five million dollar incentive um, from the state of New Jersey. Um, it's kind of a consolidation, apparently, of some of their their offices around the country. They kind of it was between there and, and Georgia. Uh, we reached out to Fiserv, you know, and said, okay, well, what does what does this mean for your operations in Brookfield? They say, you know, our headquarters stays in Brookfield with the current workforce. So that's good to hear. Uh, obviously, Fiserv, you know, has a prominent name in town with their name on the you know the Pfizer forum now um, but another you know piece of news from the week was that that uh, investment plan from them yeah I mean it's reflective of I mean there's there's a company that's pretty high up on the fortune 500 but you know, it's a global company I mean they have operations all over the world numerous locations in the United States they've acquired over the years you know the first data deal of course was the big one but um, a couple of years ago, but they've made numerous acquisitions. So I mean, as they acquire companies, they acquire their locations, I'm sure, and it makes sense that at some point now it's time to consolidate. But um, you just haven't seen little to any growth of the headquarters. Mm-hmm. 
and and that's disappointing to see. It's really a great growing company. Just disappointing to see it growing somewhere else. But it shows you what we're up against. It's very competitive. These other regions have a lot to offer in terms of just the talent that's there and quality of life. And you mentioned these really aggressive incentive package that New Jersey is offering. I know no one likes to see corporate welfare throw at these throw at these companies to keep them here and assist their growth. But you can see it's just it's a very competitive game that if we don't do it, look what you know New Jersey or whoever is willing to do. So it's a very difficult situation and um, it's, it's, it's too bad to see them growing elsewhere, but it's a, it's a global company and they're not just going to grow here and hopefully they do maintain the headquarters here and do grow it here. Um, but yeah, you always see a star like that and say, dang, wish it was happening here. Yeah. The tax incentive thing is interesting. I always, whenever I discuss that topic, I go back to a story I wrote a few years ago and, and talking with Jim Page, who's now the president of M7, um, and he was talking about the Milwaukee Tool deal, um, the one they made in, I think it was 2015. And, you know, he said, you know, with our offer that was on the table, you know, we, he was really worried that we were going to lose Milwaukee Tool um, before it had grown like it has in the last few years. Um, and tax incentives played a role in keeping that company here. And since then, they've, you know, expanded their headquarters campus again, they're doing offices downtown. They've got a you know plant going up in um, in West Bend. They've got a presence in McGuanago. Um, their president, their group president, will be speaking at our manufacturing event. as a small little plug for our upcoming event. Um, but you know, if you lose them back in 2015, all of that doesn't happen. Right. Counter argument is you know well we should grow companies organically and and things like that. Um, it's kind of it's tricky to unilaterally disarm when everywhere else is doing it too. So yeah, absolutely. Well, that I think will wrap it up for this week on the weekly debrief. Lauren and Andrew, thank you for joining me, and we'll talk to you again soon. 